Thanks for joining us for this O'Reilly Media podcast. This is Shannon Cutt, and my guest today is Gary Orenstein. Gary is the Chief Marketing Officer at MemSQL and leads marketing strategy, product management, communications, and customer engagement. MemSQL is a database platform for real-time analytics. It combines a database, data warehouse, and streaming workloads into one system to deliver insights into live and historical data. Gary, good to have you on. Thanks very much, Shannon. Nice to be here. Great. So today we're going to talk about advancements in data warehousing and how things are changing as machine learning and AI evolve. So before we get started, Gary, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I've been at MemSQL for about three years now. Uh, Before that, I spent the earlier part of my career at a number of data center infrastructure companies covering data storage, networking, caching, file systems, and more recently, uh, flash memory solutions uh, before joining MemSQL a few years ago. Excellent. Thank you. So with the Strata Data Conference taking place next week in New York, we're about to see thousands of companies and individuals coming together to talk about new advances in tools, technologies, and use cases across industries. What are some of the central changes that you see taking place within the data landscape? Yeah, I mean, we're certainly in the midst of a changing landscape that is uh, evidenced by the activity that we see at shows like Strata and the number of companies that are emerging in this space. I think if we look broadly at the market, you know, it was only 10 or 15 years ago that the thought of changing the data store was not something in people's minds. People were sticking with the the tried and true technologies of the past and just carrying those forward. But, you know, in part because of the advances in the Hadoop ecosystem and in part because technologies do change, we've seen a, a deconstruction of the data landscape to some degree where the data lake obviously became a new and critical piece of enabling infrastructure. Uh, We've seen more recently data science as a tool that people are applying to the data lake. Uh, We're seeing rapid advancements across the database and the data warehouse uh, sectors of the market. So all of these things are uh, in transformational stages. I think, for example, one area that in particular has sort of reached a level of maturity is is the data lake, where initially uh, there were very high expectations about the data lake being able to do everything that was required in the data landscape. And now I think people have recognized that data lakes are a great place to store data and to store data cost effectively, but a data lake alone isn't enough to solve the business challenges that folks are facing today. Yeah, good point. So what are some of the trends that are driving the need for new data warehousing solutions? Well, I think when we look at uh, data warehousing, which is a, a critical part of the landscape, we're seeing the the megatrends that I refer to, things like the Internet of Things, things like uh, the drive to do more uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Uh, things like the desire to move more to the cloud. So there are these megatrends that are happening 
that are causing people to, you know, reevaluate how they have collected data, mm-hmm. how they process data, and and more specifically, you know, how they make use of it and build the applications. You know, one of the things I like to uh, remind ourselves is we're we're not here in the business of just uh, deploying these tools and technologies. We're here to help businesses develop the insight they need to make the right decisions to either increase profits or reduce cost or reduce risk. But the digitization of our world under this umbrella of digital transformation in many different forms is really causing every company, both large and small alike, to reevaluate what they need in terms of the underlying data infrastructure. So speaking of one of those mega trends you mentioned, how does machine learning and AI fit into this picture with regard to data warehousing? Yeah, well, there was a wonderful quote from uh, Hillary Mason, a well-known data scientist in the industry community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, uh, this, this recent quote uh, was that you can't do AI without machine learning and you can't do machine learning without analytics. And you can't do analytics without data infrastructure. Oh. And I found that so uh, poignant in that, you know, we have a lot of talk uh, in terms of what's possible with uh, machine learning algorithms, but, but maybe not as much talk about the enablement of that. And so, you know, ultimately, machine learning is a way to use uh, software to crunch through data and crunch through numbers in a way that human beings could never do, you know, in in a million years. But in order to make that happen, you need the analytics and you need the data infrastructure. So there's a lot of discussion these days about machine learning. Uh, There's a joke that uh, runs around on Twitter that most companies who think they need machine learning really just need linear regression and clean data. Uh, I think that might be a, you know, that maybe that's a a simplification. Um, But I think that, you know, being effective with machine learning requires having a healthy understanding of the data infrastructure to support it and paying attention to that level as well. And so what does that mean? Like, okay, you tell me I need data infrastructure. What, well, what kind of data infrastructure do I need? Well, you want to make sure that you have uh, data infrastructure that can scale to support the large volumes of data that are involved with machine learning. You want to make sure that you have data infrastructure that can perform to crunch through the number of iterations that are needed. Uh, We think at MemSQL, it's very helpful if you have a data infrastructure that can maintain transactions, because once you're maintaining transactions, you can record and you are recording the state of the business, which does Mm -hmm. change over time. Mm -hmm. And so to implement machine learning well, and in a way that brings you to the present, you want that the machine learning algorithms to be running on fresh data uh, that accurately reflects the business today, as opposed to reflecting it, uh, you know, some time ago. Uh, Other elements of the data infrastructure that you wanna make sure you have in place might be the ability to rapidly ingest data, and that fits perfectly in line with what's happening with the Internet of Things, 
mm-hmm. or what's happening with people wanting to gather information from uh, mobile applications or web applications. And ultimately, we think that in terms of data infrastructure, today people are still dealing with a fair amount of complexity. I, I mentioned earlier in our conversation this idea of a data lake and a data science cluster and a database and a data warehouse. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm, my head starts to hurt. <laughs> so one of the things we've tried to do at MemSQL is provide data infrastructure through our, our real-time data warehousing platform that can also incorporate uh, some machine learning directly uh, to help simplify the overall architecture, make it easier to develop a real-time solution, and provide something that can adapt over time uh, to reflect the current state of the business. So what are some example use cases that you can share with us from across industries that um, for you have demonstrated an effective use of data warehousing or uh, perhaps ineffective use where they've learned uh, some key lessons? Uh, Let me start with a real fun and exciting uh, use case in real-time image recognition. Uh, And we did some work with an organization called Thorn. Uh, they are a nonprofit dedicated to helping work uh, to protect children against sexual exploitation on the internet. And we were able to showcase some of this work at Drada San Jose in March of 2017. Uh, so there may be some information online if folks want to uh, look that up. Oh, great. But essentially, Thorne was, uh, you know, the goal there is if, if they can see what, what ads are going up on the internet, Unfortunately, you know, this is a little part of the not so great part of the Internet. But if if they see ads going up with particular uh, faces uh, and they can identify those faces more quickly, mm-hmm. they can help law enforcement perhaps uh, track down and and protect uh, these these folks. So they had been working on a more traditional data pipeline for uh, real time image recognition, but we're having challenges uh, keeping up with the volume of fresh imagery that was coming in every day and matching that against a large uh, volume of images that they have in their database. Uh, What we were able to do with them is to implement a machine learning function called dot product, D-O-T underscore product. And for those who are curious, dot product in and of itself has been around for some time. It essentially allows you to compare the similarity of two vectors, and you can compare in different ways, sometimes with cosine similarity, sometimes with Euclidean distance. In the facial recognition example, you're taking the uh, image of the face and you're taking the points on the face, the eyeballs, the corners of the mouth, the earlobes, and similar, and creating a numerical vector. By implementing that function in a real-time data warehouse like MemSQL that is optimized with a SQL engine to crunch through this data extremely quickly, we were able to help Thorn improve the performance of their image recognition by up to a thousandfold. Oh, wow. And yeah, and you know, you think about image recognition, sometimes generally you think, oh, it must be a whole bunch of unstructured matching and you know, really complicated stuff, but, and it is, it is complicated, but when you can represent 
that facial map as a numerical vector and then use a product uh, dedicated to the manipulation and the measurement and the matching of numbers, you get a great uh, combination. So that's one very fun and I think easy to understand uh, use case. Of course, some of the work they're doing is is not not uh, fun, but it's uh, incredibly helpful and beneficial for the uh, children that they're able to assist. Yeah. So that's one example in real-time image recognition where machine learning coupled closely to the, the real-time data warehouse makes a lot of sense. Why does it make sense so much? Well, because as new images come in, they're they're, you know, all co-located there in that active data set. One of the things we like to share with folks is the difference between, you know, back of the house analytics, which might tell you what happened with frontline analytics, which will tell you, you know, what's happening now. And so being able in this image recognition case to take the latest imagery that appears and compare it with the most up-to-date database of imagery it's just one example of bringing the analytics forward. I'll cover one other example in the uh, energy sector, which is a little bit different. In this case, we're talking about the predictive maintenance world. And you can envision in the energy sector the amount of investment that goes in, for example, to uh, an oil rig in the apparatus around the rig and in particular the drill bits that are part of the rig. In the days before the newest solutions were possible, what these companies would do is take sensor information from the drill bit, and then overnight, they would process that, perhaps in a statistical application like SAS, SAS, mm -hmm. uh, overnight. And then the next morning, they could get a report that would say, you know, based on these sensor readings from the drill bit, we think it has a certain amount of usable life until it's going to be be uh, unusable, or we think you should make some adjustments to the direction or the pressure or so forth. And that's all fine and good and, and, and does work well, except you're, you're operating day to day sort of in a best guess mode from what happened the night before. Well, it turns out that you can take existing statistical models, also can be called machine learning models, and you can export those models and bring them into a real-time data warehouse. In fact, there are industry standard formats for this. There's one called PMML, which stands for Predictive Modeling Markup Language. And by exporting that model and bringing it into the real-time data warehouse, we can actually score that data in real time. So this is a use case of what would be specifically machine learning scoring or real-time scoring. And so instead of getting a report in the morning that said what happened the day before, the operator of the rig can get a report which says this is what's happening now, that oh, wow. your drill bit is healthy mm -hmm. uh, to this point, or that I can tell you based on previous analytics and, and doing the analysis currently that you don't have much life left and you'd be better off to stop and change the drill bit now instead of having a broken drill bit inside that well, which becomes a very expensive proposition to, to fix. Mm. So those are a couple of examples, uh, different use cases of machine learning uh, and real time and, and bringing these solutions into a more consolidated infrastructure that makes it simple, performant, and scalable for people to 
have real-world uh, applications of, of machine learning. Yeah, those are really compelling examples. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, do you have any recommendations for other great resources that our listeners can check out to learn more about advances that are taking place in data warehousing today? Well, funny you would ask, Shannon. Uh, we've done a lot of work with uh, O'Reilly over the years, uh, in particular, several ebooks uh, that have covered the uh, span of, of our discovery at MemSQL over the last few years, but also uh, the discoveries of, that we've seen in the industry. And more importantly, what we've seen at some of the world's largest companies mm. who are pushing the limits of what can be done with with real-time infrastructure. Uh, just as, as an aside, you know, we've done a lot of work uh, with companies like Uber and Pinterest, uh, as well as companies like Akamai and Comcast and Kellogg's and Macy's and others, all uh, driving forward for for real-time solutions. Uh, so over the years, we've 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 actually developed a sequence of uh, of ebooks that have been helpful in sharing these stories and use cases and technologies. And the first one that we did is, is called uh, Building Real-Time Data Pipelines. And I think what's important to think about here is that sometimes when you say real-time data pipelines, people think, oh, I don't have any real-time data pipelines, so, so that's not for me. However, another way to think about this approach is continuous data processing. Uh, oh. Some people say, well, I might not need a real-time data pipeline, but wouldn't you like to take that batch process that runs overnight and maybe run it after lunch so that you have the afternoon to now act on new data? So the same techniques that apply to real-time data pipelines apply to continuous data motion and continuous data processing. And it's just a little different vocabulary to the same underlying technology. And so that, that's one asset. We have a book on building real-time data pipelines. Once the, the, those pipelines are in place, again, whether it's real-time or continuous data processing, the next chapter is how can, I, how can I make use of that in a way for predictive analytics and the beginnings of machine learning? And we have a second book that we did called The Path to predictive analytics and machine learning that really cover those use cases around, I've got my data pipeline in place, how can I start to instrument predictive analytics and, and machine learning in that first step? And then just recently, we're really thrilled to have our third ebook in the uh, series called Data Warehousing in the Age of AI. And you know there are a tremendous amount of changes taking place in the data warehousing industry. In particular, the one we see most visibly is a split between traditional data warehouses, which appear to be aligning more with the static data of a data lake, and real-time data warehouses, which are aligning more with the use cases for IoT and machine learning and AI and operational infrastructure to support applications. So in this most recent book, Data Warehousing in the Age of AI, we cover these changes that are taking place and how data warehouses, when enabled with the performance, the scale, and the feature set to incorporate some aspects of machine learning, can really simplify 
the overall infrastructure and help customers and uh, companies get to uh, very compelling solutions. So those are a few of the resources. Um, just for shortcuts for folks who are listening, uh, if you go to memsql.com slash O'Reilly, you'll get to the first book. If you go to memsql.com slash O'Reilly ML, you'll get to the second book. And if you go to memsql.com slash O'Reilly AI, you'll get to the third book. And that's my hopefully not too long-winded answer on some great resources <laughs> for folks to uh, check out. It's terrific. Thank you so much, Gary. And thank you for your time today and all of these insights. Oh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. I hope that uh, the listeners are able to uh, glean some insights and hopefully come up with their own exciting new projects to uh, help their businesses move forward. Yeah, definitely. So, Gary, if listeners want to find you online, where should they look? Oh, too much time on Twitter. So that <laughs> is just uh, at Gary Orenstein. Uh, and that's a great way to reach me. And uh, if anybody wants to ping me with a question, I'll, I'll generally see it. Uh, so uh, Gary Orenstein on Twitter is a great way to find me. And then, you know, for folks who are curious about things related to MemSQL and the work that we're doing in real-time data warehousing, the, the MemSQL website is a great resource at memsql.com. Perfect. My guest today is Gary Orenstein. Gary is the Chief Marketing Officer at MemSQL and leads marketing strategy, product management, communications, and customer engagement. This is Shannon Crutt, and this is an O'Reilly Media Podcast. Thanks for listening.